0: Hello, and welcome to Automators, the show where we talk about automation and how to get your technology to do all of the hard bits of your life for you. My name is Rosemary Orchard, and I'm joined, as always, by David Sparks. Hey, David, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Rose. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you as well, and Happy New Year to all our listeners, though uh, we did record the uh, last show just before the New Year, and it released on January 1st, so you may have already heard from us
1: this year. But (laughs) it's the the first time I've talked to you in 2021, officially. It
0: is, yes. But it is a wonderful time of year to uh, you know, start looking at the things that maybe didn't go quite so well in your life last year and uh, that you could improve on for this year. I know that's what I'm doing with a lot of things. And one of them I really need to fix is uh, communication. Because, oh my gosh, communication has gone haywire in the last nine months.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've stopped meeting people in real life. And electronic communications are more important than ever now.
0: They absolutely are. And it's one of these things where... Life has changed a lot. Some of it will be permanent. Some of it will be temporary. I know a lot of companies have rolled out chat systems and things like that where they didn't have anything in place before because the way that you did this before was by popping by somebody's cubicle or their office. And guess what? That's not such a good idea right now. Even if you are in the office. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd take a look at some automated communication today because yep. what what better what can can you do better with automation than automate it? or communication with automate it.
1: All right, so let's start with email because I feel like that is the, you know, the one, the bane of everyone's existence. And frankly, yeah. one of the most fertile grounds for automation if you're not doing it. You know, if you're listening to the show um, and you, you're you not automating email, there's a couple tips we have in here that run real deep, but we've also got some stuff that are just basic automation apps that can really change your game for email. Um, yes, and uh, I think maybe we start with the process of sending the email, um, Yeah, and in- introducing automation to that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the first things I do with email is I look at what what I'm doing and whether or not what I'm doing is actually suited for email because email is asynchronous. So there's two kinds of communication, right? Synchronous and asynchronous. Synchronous is something like you pick up a telephone, you call somebody, as you talk to them, they reply. Whereas asynchronous is you send something, it sits there until they go through and process their email, probably one or two times in a day, maybe three, and then they reply to you. So if you need a fast response, I, I don't send it via email. Um, But one of the things that I have done, um, especially recently, is to set up templates for different kinds of emails I send. So this could be inviting somebody to come and be a guest on Automators or, you know, there's certain documents that I regularly have to send off for work and I always use the same kind of um, text with them. So I have set up some email templates. Some of this is in drafts. Some of this I've done in Airmail using their templating and I know David you've done some experimenting with this with text expander
1: as well. Oh yeah, I've gone deep down the hole. Also, you can do this as a shortcut. So, we've got a oh, lot yeah, of, of ground to cover here. Are you on Airmail again, Rose?
0: I am on Airmail. I was not on Airmail for a little while and then I realized that not being on Airmail was actually completely and utterly wrecking my workflow because the custom actions and the templates make my life so much easier. And we're going to talk about both of those today, but the the templates in particular really do make it much easier for me to do things because I've created templates inside of airmail. So I can literally just tap. And then in the bar, there's, there's a templates button and I can just fill in a template and go and I'm done.
1: Yeah. And how are they doing in terms of just, I know this is just an aside, but in my experience, they've always felt like it's like a beta app and just dealing with the little problems or the things that always chase me away. But it seems like at some point they're going to make it more stable and, Um, What's your experience so far?
0: I mean, I've been back on it for quite a while now, um, and I've not had an issue with stability at all. Um, I I briefly stopped using it because I was having an issue where emails weren't sending. um, And then I realized that that was actually entirely my fault. I set up the uh, GPG, or is it PGP, um, plugin, um, and uh, I, I hadn't set it up correctly, so it was unable to send emails on my Mac. Um, so that was entirely user error. So I'm pleased to report that sometimes I can be a little bit silly, um, just like everybody else, and make mistakes.
1: Well, I, I think that's, uh, like for an automator, AirMail is a great option, because I'm not aware of really any app that gives you more bells and whistles to automate email than AirMail.
0: And and the other thing is is you know there 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 are so many different services that it directly integrates with as well which makes it super easy.
1: Yeah, and they're on all the devices, you know, Apple well, all the devices in the Apple ecosystem. So if it's stable, I think that would be a great option. So explain to me how you do templates in Airmail.
0: Well, in Airmail what you do is you you open up a new email and you start typing. Um, and then you can actually, uh, just tap on the template button and create things. So, um, I'm just doing one right now where I've just written hello, David. And then if I tap on uh, templates, then I can create template and I can call this one David Sparks. And then when I've done that, I, uh, next time I tap on templates, I can select David Sparks as a template. Um, which, you know, makes things really easy. And I can also delete a template if I'm actively using that. So it's very simple um, and it perhaps sounds, you know, overly simple, but I feel like they did a great job with this because it means that, you know, you do just open it up and you type your email and this is the the best way I find to do an automation uh, where, you know, you actually do whatever it is that you need to do and then reverse engineer it. So you type your email and you get everything set up and then you can create a template and you're good.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a great tool for it. Um, and those templates sync across all of Airmail, right? I mean, you can run them on your Mac as well as your iPhone and iPad.
0: Yeah, I pretty much. I So it's one of these things. I have switched to sending email from my phone a lot recently. So I don't remember the last time I actively sent an email on my Mac. Um, but I believe the templates are in here as well. Uh, I'm not remembering exactly where. And my uh, beta version on my Mac is somewhat out of date, though this feature has been out for a while. But I, th- I think it's in there, yeah.
1: I did a, an experiment with Mailmate, which is a Mac client that is very automation-friendly. And um, if you want to automate email and you just want to use the Mac as a client... Um, I would recommend checking that out. One of the things Mailmate does is it allows you to create your own key bindings. And it's just a text file in the Mailmate settings. And if you look, open it up, you can copy and make your own key bindings. And that means when you just start typing letters on the screen, really magic can ha- happen in terms of your email. Like one of the things that I do is the same black hole, right? But I have three different email accounts, Max Barkey, Legal, and Personal. So sending something to the black hole, it needs to go to the right black hole, right? Yeah. And with the by customizing MailMate key bindings, I could just type right. B for black hole, and then I could type M L or P for Max key, Legal or Personal, and right. there, there's nothing else to do. Just B M, and then it's it's in the black hole, and that is an automation that that really makes a lot of sense. The downside to MailMate is they don't have a uh, a mobile client. And yep. this, it's like if you really want to just crush email on your Mac and largely ignore it on your mobile devices, I would say that MailMade is the answer. And it, it is a rock solid app. I mean, it's not particularly pretty, but I think it's got the reputation of being ugly when it isn't. I mean, they've really kind of improved it over the years. Um, and in terms of automation, I'm not sure there's anything better.
0: And, of course, the other thing that we should mention is there is no rule saying that you need to use the same mail client on Mac and iOS. And, in fact, sometimes it can be advantageous to use different ones, as we'll talk about later when we get to the filters. I'm running Mac Mail as well as AirMail on my Mac. Um, And also, live update, I just found the template button. It's up next to the save and send and the attachments button uh, right there. So uh, it's in a a logical place. I was just uh, not looking for it. Because uh, it turns out on a 34-inch ultra-wide monitor, if you maximize uh, draft email, then buttons are really far away from the middle of the screen.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Putting drafts on a on – a <laughs> sorry, you mean drafts full screen on a – on a monitor yeah so that... I, ju-
0: I just clicked on the new mail uh as a draft and i double click the bar at the top without thinking yeah, yeah um and then it went full screen on me
1: so, <laughs> so you <laughs> have a 46 tip, inch, inch monitor, window? think before you do that <laughs> i love it i love it rose um i mean
0: i do do that with the drafts app but i try not to do that with most other apps
1: <laughs> the um yeah, I think 46-inch screen is one where you probably should never hit that full screen button.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, 34-inch ultra-wide is exactly the same. Even um, movies and stuff, they they look kind of crazy on this.
1: That is there anything that would make sense to be full screen on a 46-inch screen? I just want to know. Well,
0: I mean, I have a 34-inch, oh, so thought it was not white that big. No, no, so it's, it, it is smaller. But, I mean, sometimes it can be really useful to go full screen, um, usually applications that are multi-column. So I use PHP Storm a lot for work. And that is great because I can have two different uh, files open at the same time. But technically, it's one app that's full screen. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. I usually use two apps side by side or three apps side by side.
1: I, I think in some future episode, we're going to need to do a breakdown of how you and I manage Windows I think that's kind of (laughs) an automation tool. And with that super wide screen, I'm sure you've got some cool tricks up your sleeve. So uh, let's put a pin in that one and come back to it someday. But the, um, my automation tool for uh, my real, um, the the most important automation tool for me for composing email is text expander. I like it because it works on all platforms. I mean, full disclosure, they're an occasional sponsor of this show and some of my other shows, but it's, you know, I started using the app long before they started sponsoring and I will long after, um, because it's just so, you know, ubiquitous, it shows up everywhere and it does what I want. A couple things I like about Texas commander for writing emails is one is you can hard code the tab key in. And what that means is you can write a script that starts in the subject line and writes the whole email. So for example, um, uh, and I've given this one before, so bear with me if you've heard it. But like monthly billings, when I do my monthly billings for the law practice, it's an email and I just type new bill in the subject line. And what it does is Text Expander can grab the current month. So it, you know, it'll say January 2021, um, Sparks Law Invoice. And then it will hit the tab key. And then I can run Apple scripts in it. So if I've got the email address to Rosemary Orchard, it'll say Dear Rosemary, because I use an Apple script, and that's something I posted at MacSparky too. So it just inserts an Apple script to put the recipient's name in. Then it hits a comma key and hits a new, and it's a, and then it hits the um, and then it types in the text of here's this monthly invoice, blah, blah, blah. And I can do like a fill-in field, so I can type in the company name if I want or not. I could also do it as a um, grab from clipboard. So like if I just finished the invoice, I could copy the name of the company off of the invoice and, and then it would insert the company name in that text just because it's in my clipboard at the moment. And the whole thing just, I know it's sound takes me a while to kind of explain walking through what I'm doing with it. But once you use text expander, this is a tool anybody can use. They've, they've made it very simple. In fact, they just did a UI update on the app to make it even easier to use. And you can build email compositions like that. And I've built, Maybe a hundred of them? I mean, I have so many of these things. Like if somebody is going to post a home screen on Max Sparky, I've got one that does it. If they, you know, I've got a bunch of different legal scenarios where I send these emails that are, are pre-generated. You, you know, setting up a guest for the show and explaining to them how we record and what they need to do on their end and all of that stuff. I'm never gonna type that over and over again. I use automation and text expander lets me move from app to app. So if I decide this month I like airmail but next month I like apple mail or whatever, that text expander snippet goes with me. So that's all that is upside for text expander. Downside is it's not as easy on iPhone and iPad as I'd like it to be. And you know, Apple just doesn't make it possible for somebody like Smile to insert text insertion in any old app they want to. It's it's part of the security model. But um using the Text Expander app on iPhone and iPad, which a lot of people don't realize, you can run those a lot of those more complicated snippets there and then you just block and copy it in. Or even better, you can insert it into drafts, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But um that's kind of my big deal is Text Expander. Do you ever do that?
0: Yeah. Uh I do. Um I tend to use drafts, which is one of the few apps out there nowadays that has support for the text expander API. Yeah. Um, which means, you know, obviously on the Mac, you know, it's just straight up using Text Expander. They you know, Greg Pierce didn't write that in. Yeah. Um, but on iOS there's a little uh, setting somewhere and then a refresh button if you wanted to manually update it where it, you can connect it to text expander um and say, you know, um have all my text expansions for me. Um, and drafts has some some great integration as well. So in uh, templates and so on, you can insert and you can use special tags, which will actually be snippet abbreviations from Text Expander. Yeah, those only work on iOS, but I kind of feel that they are insanely cool because it literally just goes, oh hey, and I'm going to grab this thing from Text Expander. So there is only one place that you need to maintain that template. Um, So that's good. Unfortunately, I've heard from some other app developers that the text expander API for iOS is somewhat out of date a little bit um, and and takes a bit more work to integrate. So I I think some of these app developers may have not particularly known what they were doing, Um, but others, um, you know, I'm I'm sure, you know, if Greg Pierce can integrate it, anybody can. Yeah. Not that he can't develop, obviously.
1: (laughs) And if you're primarily working on a Mac, I think it's an absolute no brainer. On iOS, you need to run it through their app or something like drafts, which is not that big of a deal. But I, I have found that to be uh, the time I spent building that automation to pay off immensely over the years. And uh, so I, I'm really a really big fan. Now, writing email in drafts is a separate form of automation. And the the simplest thing that you can do in drafts is um, just understand that when you write a new draft, the first line, if you export to email, the first line becomes a subject line. So... Um, writing an email in drafts is real easy. So I can make a, an email that says, you know, automators planning call, new paragraph. Hi Rose, comma, new paragraph. Let's do an automators planning call. Now, when I go and hit this send to email button, it automatically populates that first line into the subject line, which is pretty cool. And, um, just, you know, one way, and then there's all the other tools in drafts, you know, like Rose was saying, you have templates and other things you can do to make it even more powerful.
0: Um, and what I really like is, of course, all the draft stuff works on Mac and iOS as well, which means that you can have the same workflow. Now, on the Mac, there is an extra step if you want uh, to be able to convert Markdown to rich text. There is a special uh, app that you need to install, an, an extra app called Mail Assistant. Um, and it's a very basic helper application that literally just helps you um, convert the the Markdown um, to be able to be sent as HTML email, so a rich text email um and i i've i put a link of th- to that in the show notes um for anybody who's looking for it because it means that you can do this and so i've been experimenting i've got a little workspace going on of mail templates um and i've taken the leaf out of my omnifocus templates um book um or you know the the omnifocus templates that i've been using for years with the french quotation marks the double chevrons on each side sure. um and i've got and i've got those as variables and so i'm using pretty much the same script that i use for my omnifocus templates where it pops up and says hey what do you want this to be hey what do you want that to be etc 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 um and then um you know fills it all in and then pops it open as an email uh for me um ready to send it which works great
1: And all of these are just great ways to automate email creation. Another thing you can do is inside an email, maybe there's a typical paragraph you write, you know, lawyers write disclaimer paragraphs all the time. You're like, this is not legal advice, blah, 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 or whatever, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And you could do that also with um, text expansion, either with text expander or even simple text replacement built into the operating system. But um, that's also a form of automation. I mean, anytime you find yourself typing something more than once, that's a candidate for automation. Um, Another type of automation I do that is not on the Mac but on iOS related to email creation is emails that often accompany other tasks. Like... um, I do uh, corporate compliance stuff for my business clients. So like once a year we do minutes and then we do a filing with the secretary of state and other things. So, and when I, when I send a client the email about kicking that process off, that's, that's largely started out as a text expander snippet, but it makes more sense to me as a shortcut because there's an email um, send email shortcut that you can run in shortcuts where I've, pasted this stuff in now i've created variables the same way you kind of do in text commander but i'm running it out of shortcuts but the advantage of this is that i also create at the same time an OmniFocus project related to the creation of those minutes and filing of those things i send a note off to my legal assistant to make sure she's tracking it and then i do there's like three or four different items that happen I also create a Ulysses document with drafts, and so a bunch of stuff happens when I send that email off. And I realize why not trigger the whole thing on sending the email, and then I don't have to make a separate shortcut to run after I send. You know, mm-hmm. historically I would write the email, and then I'd go in and run a shortcut to do all the extra work. And I realize, oh, I could just tie all this into one step. And so now right. I, I send the email via a shortcut. It's a one-step shortcut. Send email, very easy to do, but. Just kind of open your mind to the thought of, are there emails I send that naturally have other things attached to them, other work that I do? And is that something I could automate? And why not chain all those together? And that really makes you feel like a badass automator because you're like doing all this stuff with one step. And because I'm creating variables with this email, like the client name, the company name, um, that can also be used to fill in those variables in an Omnifocus script or a uh, Ulysses um, document. So I'm only putting the name in once and it's showing up all over my system.
0: Yeah, that's great. I actually have a, a shortcut. I think I've mentioned it before, um, where it's it's for when I email in up work, um, and basically I just fire it up and ask me, Hey, are, are you just sick today? Um, are you sick? Are you going to the doctor? Because if I'm going to the doctor and I'm getting a sick note, then it'll, they'll tell me how long I've been off for, or, Hey, I've been to the doctor and I've got a sick note and I'm going to be sick for X period of time. Um, and, uh, then, um, of course I have also, Hey, I'm back at work. Um, and I'm, I'm not sick anymore. Um, and this is just a menu with send mail actions inside of it, but it means that I will always send it to the right email address. And I wrote it when I was feeling well, so it's correctly, you know, grammar, correct grammar and things like that. Um, she says managing to mess up the grammar as she's speaking. Um, but it it does make my life much easier. And also when I send an email to say that I'm in sick, um or i'm off sick then it adds a task to my OmniFocus inbox um which says hey send an email to say that you're back in the office it doesn't have a due date but it is flagged and tagged with work just so that i know you know when i'm back at work hey this is important and i should do it um which you know makes my life a bit easier so
1: yeah and the thing i like about all of this is there's just so many ways to automate sending an email you know yeah. If you're like if you're on Windows, we didn't talk about it, but I mean, text expander is on Windows. So a lot of these tools work cross-platform and there are solutions wherever you go. And the real culprit that you should be attacking with your automation prowess is repeat emails. And we all send them. They're things that related to the work we do or maybe you run a Cub Scout pack or whatever. Where you're sending similar emails all the time and automate that, you know, save yourself the time. You're listening to this show. This is something you can do today.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing. Even if you just copy and paste an existing email that you've already got and you instead um, use an ask for input action in a shortcut that just asks you for a date and then it formats the date correctly and pastes it into the email, you're good to go. This episode of Automators is brought to you by DevonThink, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks, and working with them. The integrated AI assists you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language with advanced Boolean operators really lets you dive into the deep end when you need to. There's Flexible Sync supporting many cloud services and synchronizing over the local network too, with everything securely encrypted. You can use smart rules and flexible reminders to let you automate all parts of the workflow and delegate the boring, repeating tasks. Let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules you define. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There's no part of DevonThink that can't be automated, so you can extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside them. And you can set new documents up with placeholders, and of course, your own Apple Script code too. Of course, there's so much more, including an iOS companion app, email archiving, scanning, and an embedded web server for sharing data securely with your team. Personally, I absolutely love the smart rules. It's like having Hazel, but a little bit more on steroids, because my DevonThink database goes everywhere with me. If you've got a ton of documents to manage, especially if maybe you haven't quite kept up with things in recent times as maybe you ought to have, then DevonThink is definitely a great tool for you. It'll allow you to both create rules which will ease your filing from now on, but also catch up with that backlog. You can get 10% of DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to devontechnologies.com slash automators. That's devontechnologies.com slash automators for 10% off. Our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of this show and all of FM. All
1: right. So we've talked about uh, sending email. Let's talk a little bit about email filters and, you know, managing the inbox.
0: So this is something that A, I do a lot of and B, I need to do a much better job of because I went back to work uh, very recently after, you know, a long break for Christmas, David. And guess what? I had... 672 unread emails in my inbox. Wow. And that's in my inbox. Okay. And then in the folders where I have things filtered out, I had thousands. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, I have stuff running that's automated, but it turns out that I haven't set up filters for a whole bunch of email that I really need to set up filters for. So I've gone through and I, I identified them and I spent a good chunk of today actually creating email filters, which sounds like a not particularly useful um, thing to do, but it absolutely is because it means that next time I take a break from work, I won't come back to 600 unread emails in my inbox.
1: I think the overall strategy for email fil- filters, no matter what system you're using, whether you're in Gmail, Apple Mail or whatever, um, is to make them as you need them. I, I wouldn't yeah. recommend spending three days creating email filters but what i would do is like an email comes in and just be aware of hey i can make this so this doesn't happen again and just yeah. you know this uh, smack the flies as they show up you know and uh that i, th- I think that's a much more sane way to to kind of deal with it
0: yeah yeah and the other thing is, of course, if you try and anticipate in advance, then something's going to go wrong because the way email filters work is they're dependent on things like the sender and the subject um, and stuff like that. And so, if somebody starts, you know, spelling automators with an extra O in it, then you know, your your filter for automators isn't going to work. Yeah. Um. But um, one of my personal uh, philosophies is try to do as much filtering on the server as possible. So that means on Google servers if you're using Gmail or. Um, Microsoft servers or, you know, your Exchange server, if you're using um, Exchange or um, Outlook, things like that, just because this way, wherever you then check your email, that filtering has already happened. And that's where things like Samebox and so on can play in really nicely as well, because, you know, it does just work for all of this stuff because it intercepts it before you see it or at least ideally it does.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the best ways to improve automation sometimes is just to throw money at it. And SaneBox is a paid service, which once again is an occasional sponsor. But they, um, they're they really great. And the way it works is it looks at your email. You give it permission to look at your email, but it doesn't look at the body text of your email. It looks at the um, the recipient and the subject line. And it uses its algorithm to figure out is that something that's important to you or not important to you, and it's spooky how good it is. You know, I I've been using SANBOX for years, and like it just seems to, to know pretty quickly. And the stuff that it doesn't think is super important to you, it puts in a folder called Sane Later. So it's a it's an automation that's happening without your effort. And so instead of waking up and finding you know a hundred email in your inbox, they will be like. 10 email in your inbox and 90 email in your sane later box. And mm-hmm. then it goes, you can slice the onion further. They've got like a way to have it look for newsletters and a way to have it look for advertisements and it can like separate all that stuff out for you. So ultimately, I've got some sane boxes that I check like once a week and is largely an exercise in deletion. And then I've got other ones that I check daily. And it all just kind of works without forcing me to be the one to go through and do all that filtering, which is just, you know, it's amazing to have something. It's almost like having an assistant that just does it for you. And it's kind of great.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, as, as you said, sometimes the easiest solution is to throw money at it. Um, and I absolutely approve of that. Unfortunately, I have way too many email inboxes to pay for same box for everything, you know, between yeah. ones for different apps and stuff like that. It, it would get quite pricey quite quickly. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a valid solution for the primary mailbox. Um, and then the next thing I do is um, I usually have a look at, in I, I tend to use G Suite as my backend just because I'm very familiar with it. And I know that its filters are insanely powerful. Um, they have a whole bunch of things, and the syntax for it is very similar to the syntax that you can use if you search using the mail app on your Mac yeah. so from colon email address, etc so you can do a search and then you can create a filter from that and that is great um, and I have filters for all sorts of things um and you know for anything that I don't want in my inbox, I just mark it as red and trash it or uh, you know, market is read and archive it, or market is read and add a particular tag and archive it, um, depending on what things are. Um, and I'm sure somebody is going to send me an email and say, "Hey, Rose, if you're just trashing it, why don't you unsubscribe from it?" Uh, the answer is, I can't. Um, it's it, it's a system set up by my server which I I need to go through and fix on the other side of things. But right now, all the cron jobs are just sent to me by email, and if everything's fine, I don't care about it you know past 30 days so i just trash it because then i have a 30-day history and then it gets nuked which works quite nicely yeah, yeah um so uh so yeah i do that but sometimes i don't want email to be handled when it comes in i want email to be handled after i have read it or you know or it a day after I've received it and read it and things like that. And for that, I have a couple of different approaches, which um, one of which I've already mentioned, which is Airmail Custom Actions, which is on iOS. So Airmail Custom Actions on iOS allow you to create a custom button, which appears in the, the right-hand menu, which can do different things. So for example, it can mark it as read and put it in a folder, or it could forward it to, for example, TripIt. Uh, that was one I used a lot. I would add the travel... <laughs> travel label, forward it to trip it and archive the email. And this was great for my travel bookings when I traveled, which, you know, hasn't happened in a while, but, you know, the ac- action is still there for me. Um, and I have some other things which will um, tag things as automators um, and archive it or tag it as automators and add it to OmniFocus and archive it um, because then from OmniFocus I can jump back to that um, if I need it for reference and things like that. So those work really well. But I think what really works nicely for me is something I mentioned in our 12 days of automation with the deliveries, um, which um, I've had a couple of people ask me about, is the mail app can run rules. So I have the mail app fire up around about two o'clock in the morning. Oh, my Mac Mini. Okay, so my Mac Mini is always on. So it fires up at 2 o'clock in the morning, thanks to Keyboard Maestro. Um, and then I just give it 10 minutes, just because why not? Uh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not using my Mac, sure, um, or I should be asleep. Um, so this means that it's caught up to date on all the accounts. And then it selects every, it selects all the emails in my inbox, and then it runs my rules on them. And these rules are designed for emails that have been read. So, for example, if I've read an Amazon dispatch notice, it'll delete it. Um, or, you know, if I've read a newsletter, it will archive it, um, things like that. And basically it means that if I don't do a great job of cleaning up my inbox as I go about my day, maybe because I just, you know, use the notification, um, on my phone when an email comes in and I long press on it. Um, and then I t- tap mark as red or something because I'm fine. That's, that's been received. It gets cleared out which then helps me go from a very full inbox of read emails to a considerably less full inbox, which is predominantly unread emails. And I need to go through and then probably handle those read emails manually, which is something I like to do in the morning. I go through and process my inbox uh, after I've started my workday just to make sure that I'm on top of things. Um, But that works super well for me.
1: I feel like there's nothing more indicative of the differences between Apple and Google than the pluses and minuses in the way they handle mail. Like Google <laughs> has amazing online rule support. And yeah. I mean, Apple, it's not even that Apple doesn't hold a candle to it. Apple's not even in the game for online. They, mm-hmm. they have like three rules you can apply online. It's just, it's crazy how little you can do. Whereas Google has an amazing rule set. So Rose can add those rules to her Gmail account and they apply everywhere. And it happens on the server before she sees the email. Whereas Apple, the Apple Mail has almost no cloud support, but it has a very secure mail application and it has an insane amount of automation on device. Like that, those Apple Mail rules, if you've never looked at them, I recommend you go into Apple Mail on a Mac, even if you don't use Apple Mail, just go in and look at all of the ways you can slice and dice email. And I don't think even the Gmail online rules can hold a candle to what you can do with mail on your Mac. I, mean, I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time with Gmail lately, but I mean, it seems like the Apple mail rules are crazy powerful.
0: They are. They are. And there's, there's so much that you can do. And it's one of those things that, you know, it it's just a very different approach to handling things because, you know, do you want it handled before you see it? or Are you okay with it being handled maybe as you're processing it? Um one one rule which I'll just tell everybody about because I think it's if you use Apple Mail, then you should do this and I I do use Apple Mail for work, and that is I use VIPs. Okay, so certain people are marked as VIPs. And then what I do is I have Apple Mail. Whenever an email comes in from a VIP, I have it marked in blue. Um, and this just means that when I scan my inbox, I can immediately see, hey, these emails are blue. That means that they're from somebody who's very important, and I should make sure I reply to that fast. Um, and that that you know, th- there's an example news from Apple rule which is shipped for free on every Mac. Um, but it, as you go through and add the rules, it is very Hazel-like.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, in in all of the different things, I mean, I think Hazel was probably based on on the Mac Mail rules originally. Um, at some point because this is, you know, the same way smart folders work. It's you know you have your, your different inputs. Um, and you can also have your edit header list. So you can, you know, go through and have specific email headers and things like that. Um, uh, but you can have things assembled with as a particular priority. You can apply your rules to all accounts or just some accounts. And this is what I really like as well. I don't have to duplicate rules across accounts. I can, you know, have that rule apply to all accounts, or I can say, you know, account is exchange, for example. For my exchange account and things like that, so that that works really, really well for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's just a lot there for automation. If you want, if you want to have very granular control, like uh, like something like samebox just does it for you, and it, you know, it 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 does the work. Like I one one of my samebox folders is feedback, and I don't even know how it figures it out, but generally, people that want feedback on something I'm working on goes into that folder. I'm not sure; it's not like the word feedback is necessarily there. But um, but it's not always right. Whereas with Apple Mail rules, you can be very specific. If I get a, an email from Rosemary Orchard, you know that in contains the word feedback in the subject line, then you know do all these magic tricks to it. And that's the kind of stuff you can do with Apple Mail. Um, you can also do. We've talked about online stuff before, but like Zapier is another way to kind of manage email. Um, how are you using Zapier for email automation?
0: Well, what I'm doing with Zapier is I am forwarding um, certain emails to them from Gmail. Uh, So G Suite forwards them to me, uh, uh, forwards them to Zapier for me, and they're forwarded to specific email addresses at Zapier. Um, And what Zapier can do is it can parse certain things out. So say, for example, um, one of them that I have it do is it parses out all of my Amazon orders. So whenever I order something from Amazon, um, then a, I have it bounced over is Zapier for me. Bouncing is the wrong word, that's a specific email term, but I have it forwarded to Zapier for me automatically. And Zapier parses out how much I spent um and then um adds it to a CSV file for me. Um so that I can then add this to you need a budget later. Um, because that, you know, that means that I have one easy place and then I'm I'm working on adding a few more. But because it can go through and it can parse out using regular expressions that email, then it can tell me, you know that I've spent this much money on Amazon. Um, and then I can match that up with my credit card statement and make sure everything matches and I'm all good. Um, and that really is great because um, it means that when Amazon charged me the wrong price for something um, because they hadn't applied a voucher for some reason, I think maybe the voucher's terms weren't quite met, but the way it was written implied that they were. I contacted Amazon customer support and I got my 20% refunded. So that was good.
1: You know, there's another platform for email that came out last year called Hey. Uh, hey.com is mm-hmm. uh, from the Basecamp people. And it's a very opinionated take on email, but I've been running one of my email accounts through it just to kind of see it. You know, I talk about the stuff. I want to be familiar with everything. And I have to tell you, the more I use it, the more I kind of get it and like what they're doing. Um, one of the things Hey does is whenever you get, they have a thing they call the screener. So every new email you get that you've never received anything from that person before, They ask you up front, do you ever want to see these emails or not? So uh, you can very quickly, you can click, you know, it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If you click thumbs down, it's basically like the same black hole. You just don't see the email from them. But it forces you to do that the first time the person or entity contacts you. And it's really great just like knocking out groups of people that, you know, send you marketing stuff or whatever that you just don't want to see. And then they've got a a more limited version of the Sane filters in the sense they've got, um, you can have something go to your inbox, which they call Inbox. I'm not a big fan of that, but anyway, um, the name at least. And then they've got um, one called The Feed, which is kind of like newsletter advertisement stuff that you want to see, and one called Paper Trail, which is the place you would put like Amazon orders and receipts for things you buy and whatnot, and you just keep them in there uh so that's an automation once you tell it things that come from Amazon go into the paper trail then you just don't see them anymore and they you can go look them up if you ever need them which is a form of automation uh another thing they do that that's kind of automation friendly is they have what they call labels which is very similar to what um um gmail does but it's a this is a private service you you know it's not being you know they're not studying you um and the labels uh you can either manually apply or you can attach them to particular senders so like um if you've got a client you could say you know there's anything that comes from this client gets the label for that company that that client is part of and just everything is automatically under that label in the future you can search the label I think that's very clever, Mm -hmm. and it's an automated form of tagging, which we haven't really talked about today because there there aren't a lot of really good solutions for tagging email, which I think can be a very useful tool. I mean, Gmail does it well. Apple Mail can do it if you get the third party Mail Tags add on, but then every year you've got to wonder if that's going to get updated and continue to work or not. Um, Where this is just built into the system, and I find that that very reassuring. And then of course you can apply the tags and see them on all platforms, which you can't do really with Apple Mail. Uh so you know it's just got some nice automation stuff in there um It's not as automation friendly as other things because it's not as addressable like you couldn't write a drafts email and just send it to hey to my knowledge to to compose one, but you could run like a text expander snippet or a keyboard shortcut so it, it's mm-hmm. um it's got some automation stuff to it, but it's it's non-traditional automation just like it's a non-traditional email client. But um, right. you can find ways to automate. I guess my point is you can find ways to automate any email, really, if you want.
0: Absolutely. It's it's always doable. And that's the thing. And I I kind of feel sometimes like the correct thing with my email to do is to go through and just bulk unsubscribe to things. Um, and one of the ways I found actually to do that is uh, I, an app called CleanFox on iOS, where uh, it. Works as a mail client, basically, and it just goes through and finds things and helps you unsubscribe from stuff. Of course, there's a bunch of different ways of doing that, too. um, But that's what I'm currently in the process of doing, literally going through and attempting to burn it down to the ground without actually just deleting my email address and starting over, because that would be a bad idea.
1: I have a mailbox in Apple Mail. It's a smart mailbox, which is we haven't mentioned, which is another great automation tool. But it searches my mail for anything, any email that includes the word unsubscribe. And it puts it into a smart email box. And so I can look at anything I've received in the last three days that has the word unsubscribe in it. And then I can go through and easily unsubscribe. But that's harrowing too, because if it's like, you know, there's like unsubscribe from a reputable vendor that you've bought things from. Then there's unsubscribe on the bottom of an email that you never asked for. And you press that button and then the bad guys say, hey, there's a live person here. Let's send them more email. You know, it's like, Right there's so many people out there that are just so crooked over the way they handle email um uh, you have to look at that unsubscribe button with an eyebrow raised unfortunately,
0: yeah, yeah, unfortunately, you do because you know that's that's unfortunately the flip side of email it can be great and it can be terrible too,
1: yeah, well, I mean it's just it's a question of your attention, your attention is so important and everybody wants to steal it and if you're dealing with people who are not respectful of your attention then you know, they're actually harder to get rid of than you think. That's where things like the same box, black hole or the, Hey, you know, filtering system can come in handy or like what Rose does where she just says an auto delete rule. I mean, you can do this a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, mail merge real quick. Um, Are you doing mail merge? I haven't done it for a while, so I don't really have any good automation. So,
0: I mean, the way I'm doing mail merge is mostly my mail templates rather than, you know, mail merge in the sense that it was originally used because I've never needed to send the same email to, you know, a bunch of people at the same time. Um, At least not unless there was a service that was, you know, offering it for me. So when we did the automators meetup at WWDC, you know, in, in 2019, um you know when when we we updated that we emailed everybody um and you know it it sent that out but that's because you know the the system was able to do that and so i try to avoid mail merge because it often feels a little bit spammy um to an extent but yeah. um i mean i'm just using my templates basically um that that's how i do it
1: yeah i me too i i mean and it's unreliable and i know there's apps out there for it and I guess there's a use for it in some cases, but I mean, the, the places where I would need it, I don't use it. Like I I have a newsletter and I'm really proud of it, but that is a, it run through a, a vendor that does all of that for me. Yeah. And I don't you know see the recipients necessarily. And then uh, like when I issue a new field guide and I send um, emails out to some friends that I'd like to let them check it out for me and see what they think of it, I don't do that as a mail merge, but I do have, I do create kind of like a script to write that email. And then I just go through and create, you know, new emails and insert the script. So there's just not a lot of um, issues where I want it though. The one I always hear about it on is the holiday card stuff where they want to use mm-hmm. mail merge to create mailing labels. And that's kind of not what we're talking about today. Maybe someday we'll take that on, but no. I'm it's, it's kind of a different problem.
0: This episode of Automators is brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast. I love finding new podcasts to listen to. It's always great finding a new co-host and an interesting topic. And guess what? There's more out there. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents, and work from anywhere. And you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too. Each show covers a dedicated topic, guest interviews, news and announcements, plus a special topic outside the technology norm. Topics include data compliance and governance, data security, and mobile productivity. That's one of my favorites. Last month, they had a great episode recapping 2020 and looking forward to 2021. I actually really like their off topic section where Jason talked about his No Meetings Friday policy. It really shows you how different people look at productivity differently, as well as how they use their technology. Go and listen to it now. Just search for SyncUp wherever you get your podcasts. That's S Y N C U P. Or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to Syncup and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
1: Hey, um, something that has become a form of communication the last year more than ever is video messages or video meetings. <sighs> um.
0: I love and hate these, David, yeah, a number of times where I've 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 had to add a reminder in my calendar to change, you know, into something slightly more work appropriate because I'm just, you know, I, I threw my dressing gown over whatever I was wearing because it was a little bit chilly while I was waiting for my office to heat up. And then I was snuggly and turns out dressing gowns aren't quite meeting appropriate, even if you're wearing them over clothing. Oh, yeah. Video meetings, love and hate.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. Like, I mean, just setting the meeting, I don't have a lot of automation I do here, but Fantastical has a cool feature where you add a a meeting to your uh, calendar event, and it creates a join button on your calendar event, so you just press the button and it goes in, which is a a form of automation, and they support Zoom and Microsoft and all the, the usual culprits. But I hadn't really thought about, like, doing prep for video calls, um, as an automation technique. Are, are you doing anything like that? So you don't wear your dressing gown on camera.
0: I am. Yeah. So I just have a shortcut, um, and it goes through and it finds meetings in the next week on my calendar and asks me to, to pick. Um, so it just it shows me a choose from list with a multiple select option. Um, and then, um, for each of those, it just adds a reminder half an hour before to get ready for this meeting. Um, when I say get ready for, I'm not talking about the content, I'm talking about the appearance of how I look. Um, and so this is also useful um, for things like iOS Today, where, you know, I'm actually going to be on camera and it would be nice if I look nice when I'm on camera. Um, so that, you know, when people see me, then I I, I look as enthusiastic as I feel. Um, and that that is helpful. So I just have a little shortcut that I run on Monday morning that just tells me, what do you need to, you know, look professional for this week? Select these things, hit done, go for it.
1: Yeah, I mean we've talked about meetings on automators before and um the stuff I said there about physical meetings is is still true. Like I plan with an with a with a shortcut script, I add time blocks before and after meetings so I can have time to mm-hmm. prep for them and time afterwards to, you know, record what happened and and make plans. And I, all the, the only thing that's affected me is when I make that prep time now I, if it's the first like video call of the day, I add extra time to make sure I have the backdrops hit up and maybe shave, you know, whatever. Um, so I, uh, I do add extra time, but I don't really address it specifically, you know, but right. uh, it, it's something to be aware of. Um,
0: yeah. In my case, it just adds it. Um, it's actually adding it to do you now, um, with a, with a thing every five minutes just to nag me to say, Hey, get ready for this. Um, sure. just so that I, you know, I, I, I'm I'm really ready for it because, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, these these wonderful standards that women are held up to. I know. Um, I know. You know, we are expected, for uh, frequently expected to do things like full faces of makeup and so on. And sometimes I like doing it and sometimes I don't want to do it. But I always want to look professional, which means at the very least, preferably not wearing my dressing gown and having a relatively tidy background um, behind me. Um, though sometimes it's not possible just depending on, you know, how things are running um you know if, if i've had a crazy day at work then guess what my background is going to be messy um if i've got an afternoon meeting just because i'll be pulling things out and won't necessarily have had time to put everything back straight
1: yeah i, I have a, a shoji screen a japanese screen that i keep against the wall and mm-hmm. it takes like two minutes to put that behind me uh behind my chair if i'm going to do a call and because now my my uh my my computers in the centralized location of the house we I got kicked out of my studio because of covid is one of my kids came home. Um, I actually put that up almost for all video calls because there may be somebody in my family walking behind uh, you know mm-hmm. if I'm not careful. so yeah, but that that's not really an automation tool, but it is no. pretty quick
0: i I actually did have a screen like that, David, but uh my problem with it is it didn't fold flat. Uh, so the way it was, it was you know shown on Amazon. Um, you know there were nice folds in it, so yeah. I thought, oh great, this is wonderful. You know I'm just going to be able to fold this flat and lean it against the wall when I'm not using it, and then pull it out when I am using yeah. it. That thing does not fold flat, and it takes up about eighty percent of my office.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, that's <laughs> and, no and if
0: you and if you straighten it out, then it falls over. Yeah. Um. So it was just a nightmare. So I got rid of it. Um. And I bought a green screen instead. Okay. Um. Which is great because I can pop that up. Uh, behind me if i just need to you know hide it it doesn't quite cover everything my camera covers unless i adjust my camera settings which i need to tweak um but it does allow me to um you know at the very least hide the messiest
1: area yeah cool (laughs) this episode of the automators is brought to you by hellofresh go to hellofresh.com automators 10 to get 10 free meals including shipping with HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. I'm a HelloFresh subscriber, and I love getting those HelloFresh boxes on my doorstep. With HelloFresh, I'm able to cook dinner for my family with something interesting and fun that tastes great. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning, so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. With HelloFresh, you have flexibility in customizing your orders every week. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip weeks whenever you need. For busy days, you can get HelloFresh's Easy Eats, offering tons of quick and easy meal solutions like oven ready and 10 to 20 minute meals, perfect for your busy schedule. So no matter how much or little time you have, you can make a delicious meal with HelloFresh. Before I started using HelloFresh, I'd never really consistently cooked dinner for my family and the meals that I did cook were boring and there was just a couple of them that I could do competently. Since I up for HelloFresh, I'm able to make some great meals and surprise the whole family with different cuisines uh, all the time. It's great time to put in a podcast and just make a great meal for your family and give the rest of your family a break since you're taking care of it for them. Most recently, I made the HelloFresh Kraft Burger for the family, and it was delicious. They got the bun just right. Using HelloFresh also saves me money. When I was going to the market to get ingredients for dinner, I would always buy too many, and we'd always end up with a bunch of extra stuff afterwards that we weren't going to use. With HelloFresh, you get just the ingredients you need for that meal. It's great. So if you want to sign up, head over to HelloFresh.com slash Automators10, that's Automators10, and use the code Automators10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. So try HelloFresh today, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Automators10 and use Automators10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Our thanks to HelloFresh for their support of this show and all of FM. What, what about um, text messages? I think this is another area ripe for some automation love.
0: Well, the good news is, David, I have been playing with text message automation, or text message and iMessage automation, to be precise. So um, as, as people may be aware, I'm a big fan of Pushcut and its automation server. Um, And I I was having a slight bout of insomnia in early December and kept finding things and wanting to share them with people, but not wanting to share them with people at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, When if they didn't have do not disturb enabled, then, you know, they would be annoyed by it. Um, And if they did have it, then they might just be worried that I was awake at three o'clock in the morning. And so instead, I have created two shortcuts which allow me to schedule a message and then Send said schedule message. So for this, I'm using Pushcuts Automation Server and Data Jar. Um, and it works really well. I'm really happy with it. So um, to start with, I'll walk people through the, the schedule message. And I'm going to put both of these in, in the show notes. Um, and so what it does is it starts by asking me for the text of whatever it is that I want to, you know, share. And then it asks me to choose a contact. Then um, it gets the phone numbers. If there's just one phone number, it it grabs the, the first phone number. If there's more than one, it'll ask me to pick one. Um, Just, you know, in case I haven't got things set up particularly well and uh, the first phone number is actually their home phone or something. And then it'll ask me for the date and time that I want to send this after. So it's not necessarily going to send this at a specific time. Now, I could do that, um, but I, I decided against it. And I decided that I would be fine, you know, having things sent after a specific time. And um, then and then what it does is it will just um, uh, create a dictionary and add that to the end of a list in DataJar. Now, this list is called send later, and the, the dictionary has got a message, a two, a date, and a name. And the two is the phone number, and the, and the name is then the name of the contact. So that later, when the delayed message is actually sent, then it will send me a notification to tell me it's been sent. And then, um, so the, the actual sending the delayed message starts by counting the, those items. And if there, there's nothing there, then it just exits um, uh, so it gets everything out of data jar and then if there are things in data jar then it will go through with each of them. Um and it will get the date and if the date is before now, then it will send the message and send me a notification to say that it sent the message and then in the body it's got the name and what the message actually was, just so I've got a little reminder myself and then it deletes it. And that's it. Um so it's relatively simple. Um it sounds very complicated when I say this. But the shortcuts are 12 and 14 actions. Um, so they're not insurmountable to understand. But wow, does it make my life easier? You know, I was able to send my mom a message. She had an important meeting at work today, but I was also going to be in a meeting at the same time. So and I just wanted to send her a, a message 15 minutes before to say good luck. So I, I, I scheduled it and it sent it around about 15 minutes before. It's great. It works really well.
1: Yeah, that's a good use case for it. Like, um, sending a message at a specific time that you need it to go out. I have to admit though, like when you were talking earlier about synchronous versus asynchronous communications, I look at messages also as asynchronous communications. I I don't, I don't expect when I message somebody for them to drop everything and respond back to me. And if anybody expects me to do that, they're probably not going to be happy because I I rarely do that. I I do let those keep that that badge turned on and i by the end of the day i go through any unread messages but i don't just like drop everything anytime a message yeah. comes in
0: i mean if it's urgent then i would say like your your best method is probably going to be calling a person but it also very much depends on who you're contacting yeah um but i know if i send somebody a message you know before a meeting to say good luck or something like that if they haven't read it and don't respond is because they're busy getting ready and you know that's fine um and I, yeah these are very much an asynchronous thing of i just want to send them the right thing at the right time so that they know and it also means that um i can use this for birthday messages as well not because i don't care enough to actually manually send a birthday message of course i do um but it means that the birthday message is definitely going to go out at the right time instead of me going oh shoot it's 11:30 and i still didn't say happy birthday and they just told me how great their cake looks and now I look like a, an idiot who forgot their birthday. Uh, so I, I, I think this is another way of showing that I care about people.
1: Okay, you've made the case to me. Now I'm going to download your script and play with it. Because I, I was <laughs> when I saw this, I was thinking, I don't think I really want to schedule messages. I'll either send it or I won't. I mean, the other thing is I don't I don't have any problem with sending messages late at night. Not that I, I'm really up that late very often, but if I do have something that occurs in me, I'll send it. Because I just assume the other person is is like me and not going to respond until the next day, yeah. you know? And, and if they do yeah. respond to me, I'll say, Hey, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> you don't have to respond to me. At 2 yeah. Um, but there's part of me now that's wondering like occasionally when it's my turn to publish the show uh, I will get an email or a message from you like in the afternoon saying, Hey, you got, you got the show you need any help or something. It's very friendly. The message but now there's a secret part of me that thinks that's probably an automated message where you're looking to see if the show has not published. It's going to send me a message to remind me without saying, hey, uh, hey dummy, no, get the show up.
0: No, <laughs> it's it's not that smart, David. The way that that works is I have a due reminder to double check that the show's gone out yeah. um, that goes off every hour from 6 p.m. my time Um And A, this is to make sure if I've uh, set it up in advance, you know, if I've done earlier in the day or the day before, that it actually goes out. um, Because I have had that happen once before where I realized it. 11 30 p.m that everything was there it just wasn't gone because it was still marked as a draft in the cms and yeah, that was yeah. my fault
1: so what you're saying is i'm getting a, a, an original rosemary artisanally crafted message if i don't post you are it. okay that's good yeah. to know
0: it's good yeah because i always double check it and if i see the if i see the uh tweet come in then uh of course i i go off and um, mark it as red or when it appears like oh yeah i've already seen the tweet today mark it as red um <laughs>
1: I'll tell you, one of my challenges with messages, and here's one where I'd welcome uh, ideas from the listeners, is acting on messages. Like, you know, like when somebody sends me an email, I've got all these cool automations where I can turn it into an OmniFocus task and and a calendar event and do cool things with it. But uh, messages are not as easily transitioned into action for me and occasionally mm. a client will text me something that's actionable and I don't I mean I like having emails with clients because it's a record of that they asked me to do this or gave me this instruction and it, it's hard to really make it happen. I mean I know that you can share a message and from there you can go into something like Omnifocus, but the whole process feels very manual to me. Mm-hmm. And it happens rarely. It's not like something that I do every day. So it's not a big enough problem that I've ever really tried to find a good automation solution for it. I mean, one of the things I do is often I'll take screenshots of a message. If it's something that's substantive that I may want to refer to later. And I have a pretty good system for storing those and, you know, using, um, you know, URL links to get back to them and, and find an easy way to you know, like tie the message to to a, like a task but it, nothing i feel like that whole system to me is pretty rickety
0: yeah yeah the only way i can think of, of this is if your clients if you, if you have certain clients who default to messages rather than email um then you could set up a shortcuts automation it won't run automatically that is the downside but then you can see the message and go oh yeah i want to run the shortcuts action on this and it will do this it will send them an email or capture it to OmniFocus or something like that um and you know and so um because because of the 14.3 update with shortcuts you can actually get the details of the message out now which is really helpful um so that means that you actually have the message body and the sender and the time and date it was received and all of that jazz so that makes it much easier but it's still not perfect
1: yeah, I need to look into that. I had tried that earlier and wasn't getting the details I needed out via shortcuts. And I forgot that with 4.3, I actually may be able to get more out of it.
0: Yeah, you can definitely get more. You can get plenty of details of things out, yeah. um, which is really nice.
1: Well, there's there's my weekend automation list. See if I can get better at <laughs> getting stuff out of messages. Um, Any other communication automation stuff on your plate?
0: Yeah, so one of the things I need to look back into is um, setting D and D in Slack. Do not disturb. Yeah. Um, and for ages I had a shortcut which was created by Feder- Federico Vatici at Max Stories that would um mute um Slack channels, um, and um, this is great and I love it. Um, but I found that a lot of Slack channel admins don't let me generate an API key, which means that I can mute, say, two out of the 10 different Slacks that I'm in. Um, and so that is something I am not super happy about right now. Um, and so I've I've sent off some messages to people to say, hey, can I have this, please? Because I need to do it, you know, be able to do this with it. And there are no downsides if you enable this. Um Okay, there might be. But, uh, (laughs) you know, as far as I'm concerned, I need this and I need the ability to mute Slack, um, which is great. And the other thing I've done, which is a tip I stole from Cortex, is on my phone, I have two different Slack applications. I have the Slack app and I have the Slack EMM app, which is their enterprise app. Um, And I have the enterprise app uh, being the one that can actually send me notifications. And then the other app can't send me notifications, but I can pop in there and look at the chats anytime I like. Um, and this is just for things which are, you know, firm related where I don't necessarily want to be, you know, pingable and things like that. And it just means that when I open the Slack app, then I can see things like, you know, our automators talk and the nested folders thing and and um, Slack and the suite setup Slack. And um, my mastermind group is in there. Um, and, you know, those are all important things I definitely want notifications about. Um, and that's a bit easier to manage than all of the Slacks because I do have quite a few for fun.
1: Yeah, I think that that is a, a great tip because Slack can serve a lot of roles. I mean, it can serve a role where um, you are running a you know podcast or a company or something through it where those notifications really matter. But also, like you, I I belong to Slacks for some software teams that uh, I'm a power user of their app and they just want feedback from me, but I don't want them to be able to like interrupt me. And and running it out of two apps is a great way to pull that off.
0: Yeah, it makes it much easier to handle. I just wish I could do it on the Mac as well. Um, oh. and I know that I can, I can have a browser version. And I mean, this is something else that we we have yet to cover, David. Of course, forums because forums are another way of communicating. And so I have uh, bookmark groups. Um, for different things. So I've got a gr- bookmark group for forums and it's great to be able to just tap on that and say open all of these and then I can check in on the Automatus forum. I can see that Jeremy Cherefus has been asking about extracting heart rate recovery data, for example. And I can check in on the MPU forums, see a lot of people are going crazy about your contextual computing episode, which came out recently, which was great, drafts, um, things like that, you know, all of, all of the good things. Um, but you can also get RSS feeds out of these, but Slack is a lot more difficult to handle, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. You also have an entry in the outline. I don't know what this is, Rose. It's called Monica CRM.
0: Yeah, so Monica CRM is, um, so CRMs are basically a tool to allow sales teams to keep in touch with customers, um, which, you yeah. is... For sales teams, and we are not sales teams, we are real people. But Monica is a self-hosted CRM, which is basically trying to encourage you to keep in touch with your friends and family and remember information about them. So it's kind of like a very souped up version of Contacts. Yeah. um and this is something i have been playing with and one of the things i would really like to do this year is dive a lot more into it because it allows you to log things like the last time that you got in touch with somebody and you know things that you've talked about or important information about them so i recently uh found out a friend of mine has announced her pregnancy um and you know and she she you know I was chatting with her and she's told me her approximate due date um and so you know I, i've set up some things so i've got a little reminder to get in touch with her a week before and ask her how it's going and You know, if there's anything that I can send her, because obviously, you know, there's a pandemic, so I'm not going to be going to visit. Um, And, you know, and that's uh, something that I'm experimenting with using Monica for. Of course, there are lots of different ways that I can handle that. I could set something up in Reminders or in OmniFocus, but I like the fact that this is very contact centered. Um, So it's related to this. And of course, it's self-hosted, which means, you know, you do have to do the heavy lifting to get it up and running yourself, but then you are in charge of the data um so you know it it works quite well um i'm liking it yeah. but i i've yet to see if it will remain a permanent addition to my life
1: yeah i have done something kind of similar i mean over the last year i spent a lot of time goofing off with this whole personal knowledge management space um you know if you listen to focus and mac power users i've talked about roam research and obsidian and and the late, latest one that's very interesting to me is Craft, which is a native app version of this stuff. But one of the things that's common to all of these tools is that the idea of backlinks and page creation. So anytime like, I have a link called Rosemary Orchard, well, that creates a page, whether it's in a Rome Research page, an Obsidian Markdown document, or or Craft page. But once I create the link for Rosemary I can then go to that page and see backlinks to everything I've referenced during, and, and like for you, Rose, you're all over my CRM or my mm-hmm. PKM because we make podcasts together. We're friends. We do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I have all these different backlinks, but that also gives me a page that's just empty that has those backlinks. And a lot of people just leave it empty and have backlinks. And I got thinking uh, several months ago, well, what if I use those pages also as kind of like a build your own, uh, CRM. So I created a template, um, that, uh, like I call it Sparky CRM, but it, it's got a bunch of questions like, I, and I don't use all of the fields, but I have one for pronunciation. Like if it's somebody, um, I have a lot of friends that their names uh, are not pronounced the way, you know, my Anglo-Saxon tongue grew up speaking. So I, I like put in pronunciations. I, I'll put in, um, special skills or interests they have, or how we met, um, Uh, if I've done check-ins with them or just data, like if they have kids, what their kids' names are. So I don't like forget. And so it's not really a CRM system so much as it is, it's just kind of like a personal note system. And you could also do that in the contacts app on your Mac, just, you know, just, or on iOS, just, there's a notes field. You can put stuff in there. But for some reason, I find it in this, context to be a better place to put stuff like that because i don't reference it that often but it's usually in relation to personal knowledge management so it's a little bit off the reservation for today's show but i've kind of built my own as well
0: And that's the thing. You have to find all of your things that, you know, all of these things that work for you, because there's no point automating communication if it actually makes your life more difficult. We're trying to make your life easier here.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I I think that everybody listening, we released the show on Friday for a reason, you know, so you've got the weekend to maybe pull a couple automations together and email and communication automation is something that we could all get better at. So, if you you know if you made it to this point, I hope that you're thinking about a few things in your life you could automate with email. We've given you a lot of options. We've got some downloads in the show notes and uh and let us know how it's going. And you can do that over at the automators forum, which is at talk.automators.fm. So uh, it's just a great group of people in there. Uh, solely devoted automation. I learn stuff in there all the time. I love it when I Google a problem I have and I find the answer in the Automators forum via <laughs> Google. I love that. Um, yeah, And, uh, you know, go check it out. We'd really appreciate it.
0: Yes, we definitely do. And, uh, of course, do post everything in our forums because uh, you may end up being on the show in the future. Uh, if you have a great automation to share or a great question that you want answered, we do have our Ask the Automator section. And uh, forum questions definitely get uh, added in a, into our capture system for review so that we can include them in future shows.
1: Yeah, in fact, we were just doing our planning. And in 2021, we're going to be talking to some of our power users from that forum on the show. So. Oh, yeah. So uh, there's lots to cover. Um, uh, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. This is episode 67. Thank you for listening.
0: Thanks to our sponsors for this show. SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast, HelloFresh, and DevonThink.
1: We'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: Goodbye, everyone.